Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. Appropriately on this Sunday dedicated to joy, we have a number of readings which are mostly joyous. So we've got Paul telling us in the second reading that we are supposed to rejoice always, always be happy because this is the will of God. And if you do this, you are going to be holy. And Isaiah, in the first reading, he gave us a bunch of reasons why we are supposed to be happy when he lists the different things the Messiah will do when he arrives. The Messiah is going to release the captives. The Messiah is going to preach the gospel to the poor. The Messiah is going to open the eyes of the blind. He's going to bring salvation. And instead of a psalm in today's Mass, we actually have the words of Our Lady as she is following another command that Paul gave us in the second reading. She is singing thanks to God. Paul told us, rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. And this is what Mary is doing. She is singing thanks to God in her famous Magnificat because of what God has done in her life. So we got these joyous themes, these readings, these like causes of elation. But then we get to the gospel, and the gospel sort of seemed to throw a wrench into the situation where there's something off with the gospel, apparently. We have the figure of John the Baptist here, front and center. And John the Baptist is not exactly the most cheerful, happy-go-lucky kind of saint. You know, if you're going to make a list of saints and on a scale of exterior manifestations of happiness, John the Baptist is not going to be very high in that scale. He seems to be a very somber figure. He's a very penitential individual. He lives in the scorching Jordanian wilderness, the desert, dressed in this rough camel's hair, eating locusts flavored with wild honey for nourishment. And he has a rather bleak message as well. He's always talking about hellfire and judgment. And so it seems maybe a little bit out of place initially. Like, you know, why is the church on this Sunday of joy presenting us with the figure of John the Baptist? And I think that the reason the church does this is because he is the evangelizer par excellence. John the Baptist is the figure we look to when we are considering what you should do when you are evangelizing. Because John the Baptist's whole life, he exists, he was conceived to be the prophet of the Most High, to show salvation to the nations, to bring people to the awareness that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. His existence is one of evangelization. And so on this Sunday of joy, we have this model missionary presented to us to remind us, to connect those two, to remind us that the very best way that most of us have to evangelize is by being joyful, is by being happy about our faith. All the time we're talking about the new evangelization. We need to bring more people to God. We need to bring more people into the church. And there's so many different ways that we study and we talk about doing this. But one of the most straightforward is to simply be happy. If people see us walking around with mopey faces and we're saying, come to church, it's going to be great, they're not going to want to come with us. I wouldn't want to go with you either. 
But in the heart of every man is that desire for happiness. And when they see that somebody else has that, they're going to want to do what that other person is doing. They're going to want to get some of that for themselves. An American bishop, he's actually a cardinal now, he experienced this um, when he was the chaplain for the Missionaries of Charity in 1989. uh, And he was looking after the sisters in Washington, D.C., who look after a house for people dying of AIDS. And so in the Good Friday liturgy, this chaplain, he's celebrating the liturgy there in the chapel. And after all the congregants venerate the cross, he then goes throughout the convent, the, uh, the house of charity, to all the bedridden patients so that they also might venerate the cross of our Lord. And as he's making his way through the different uh, beds, there's one gentleman in the corner who beckons him to come over rather urgently, in fact. And so the chaplain, he starts to make his way there, but then the sisters warn him that this particular individual is always angry, is always uh, violent. He's even tried to bite some of the sisters that are looking after him. And you know what happens if you are bitten with somebody who is sick with AIDS. And so the chaplain, you know, he says, okay, I'll be careful, and he gets cautiously approaches the individual, and he offers him the cross for veneration, And he says he always remembered that the man didn't venerate the feet as is traditional or like some other part of the cross. He grabbed the cross forcefully and he gave a huge kiss to the very face of our Lord. And then he released the cross and he fell back onto his bed exhausted. The next day, Holy Saturday, the chaplain returns and the sisters tell him that this man wants to talk to him. And so Father approaches him again and This poor individual, this sick individual, says, I want to be baptized. Father is ecstatic. He's he's like, oh, this this is great. I'm so happy to hear that. May I ask why? What is it that's causing this desire to surge up within you? And the man says that he doesn't know anything about the faith. He doesn't know anything about Catholicism. In fact, he even hated religion up to this point. But for the last three months, where he had been dying slowly in this house, he had seen nothing but smiles on the eyes of these sisters, on the face of these sisters. Even when they're doing the most, you know, difficult of chores, cleaning up the vomit, cleaning his sores, when he's insulting them and yelling at them, they always respond with compassion and smile. And he asked them, why are you so happy? And they always simply respond, Jesus. And so he says, I don't know about your faith, but I do know this. They have joy, I don't. I want it. So, baptize me. And he was baptized that very same day. He received his first communion as well. And at 3.15 a.m. on the morning of Easter Sunday, he passes away. This is just a sampling of the evangelizing power of joy. Because happiness does have that capacity to bring people to the Lord. There's this French woman who founded a congregation by the name of St. Madeline. She wrote, If the world saw our happiness, it would, out of sheer envy, invade our churches. 
And there was once a vicar who asked his a parish committee, you know, what, what should I, as a vicar, as a priest, be doing to encourage vocations in our parish? And there was this uh, crusty old man there who, who, who shouted out, uh, you can start by being happy. Show us that you like life, and then maybe people will actually want to do what you do. And the same vicar, he was one time doing um, marriage preparation for a couple. The, the woman was Catholic, the, the husband-to-be was a Presbyterian. And for several months, they were meeting up and everything. And then on one afternoon, the, the fiancé, the Presbyterian gentleman, he stops by the rectory by himself. And he says he wants to know more about the faith. And so the vicar is thinking, oh, this is great. Maybe something I said, or maybe some sort of a practice he saw at the Mass when he went. He piqued his interest. And the man says that, no, it wasn't any of that. But rather, he'd been getting to know the family of his fiance, And the family was just always happy. And that's what was really, like, remarkable to him. He said, I want that. I want my family, my future family, to be like that. So I'm going to be Catholic like she and her family is. Now, this is the ideal, where a Catholic family can, by their witness of happiness, draw somebody else into the faith. But if we're honest, we might see that this rarely happens. You know, we don't often have these model families at our fingertips that are just loving and so just like ecstatic to be with each other. It's not as common as it could or should be. And Pope Francis lamented some believers' lives seem like Lent without Easter. And they conduct themselves like someone who has just come from a funeral. So how do we go about fostering that authentic kind of joy? And St. Paul tells us in the second reading just how we do that. In three very quick phrases. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances give thanks. And do not quench the spirits. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean spend all day in the church. But it does mean fostering that constant awareness that God is dwelling in me, like in a temple. He is with me. He is inside of me. He is here. The same God who's, who's coming we're all longing for at Christmas is already within my soul. And he loves me. He wants to be here. He is never going to leave me. Everything else might come crashing and burning all around me. But the God of the universe who made me and all that is, is here forever. The only thing that can evict him from my soul is mortal sin. And even then, we can easily recover him, welcome him back in by making a good confession. Something that everybody should be doing during this Advent season. And the second thing St. Paul says after, okay, pray all times. Second thing. In all circumstances, give thanks. Now this is a mix of something spiritual and also just psychological. This is like a, a discipline of the mind where we just learn to recognize reality. Giving thanks. Because if we are honest, there are about 10 million things happening every day for which we ought to be giving thanks to God for. Now, you might think that's an exaggeration, like, I can't count 10 million different things. But just consider all the different cells that make up our body, the physical cells, how many operations and functions have to go work properly in order for us to continue to be alive. How many times have we breathed today? How many times have we blinked today? How many hearts, how many times have our heart beat today? There are, just like in our, in our physical makeup, there's all these kinds of things going the way they should. Good things that are happening. 
And let's not even begin to talk about all the other things in the universe that are happening the right way in order that we might continue to exist here on this planet. So just in the physiological level, the physical material level, there's so much happening. And yes, there are things that happen that go wrong. There are bad things that happen. You know, five or six things a day, and they're real, they're serious, they're significant. But they cannot compare with the countless blessings that God is giving us every day. And so when St. Paul says, give thanks under all circumstances, he's just saying, be aware of what reality, what's happening in reality. Because there are always more blessings than there are bad things. Where sin abounds even, grace abounds all the more. And finally, don't quench the spirit. God wants to give us the gifts of ongoing prayer and ceaseless thanksgiving through the spirit. And so we should not quench the spirit who wants to give us these things. And you can quench the spirit by flooding yourself with material things. It's something good to do. We, we go shopping around Christmas time. We get presents for other people. We decorate our houses. But if we flood our souls with material things, we're not going to find that joy which we are called to celebrate and have and experience constantly. The more we partake faithfully in spiritual practices like prayer, like charity towards our neighbor, those are the things that are going to increase and magnify authentic joy in our lives. So to conclude, let's not forget that the greatest means of all to be filled with joy here on earth is the encounter that we have with Jesus in the Eucharist. All the time, we talk about the Eucharistic celebration. We are celebrating the Mass together because it's truly supposed to be a joy-filled feast. It is here that God comes to speak to us. It is here that God comes to hear us. It is here that God comes to listen to our prayers. And at every Mass, we say, right before communion, Blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb. Blessed, happy are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb. And so today as we prepare to receive our Lord who our Lady carried for nine months in her womb, as we come forward for communion, let us prayerfully recall and consider who is coming into our souls. After we go back to our pews, let us give thanks to Him for having come into our souls. And if we do this well, we might be surprised as to just how many people can be drawn to God through our witness of the joy and happiness of the faith.